0: Dear Grieve, and good evening. It's the eve of Christmas Eve, a contemplative night for some, a very busy one for others. Some of us are excited, some overwhelmed, some sad, some numb. However you feel tonight, whatever you're up to, you're very welcome to the Leap of Faith, where we'll offer a little soul food in the run-up to Christmas. In a moment, the poet Mary O'Malley will muse with us on the ancient lines of the Cherry Tree Carol and add some more of her own. But first, it's wonderful to be joined in the studio by Brother Richard Hendrick, a Capuchin priest here in Dublin and author of Still Points, A Guide to Living the Mindful Meditative Way, recently published by Hachette. Brother Richard Hendrick, you are very welcome to The Leap of Faith.
1: Thank you, it's good to be with you.
0: So to find out how this book Still Points came about, we need to go back a little, don't we, to the Just a little.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> At least to the early days of the COVID pandemic mm. in March twenty twenty, when you posted a poem online called Lockdown and it struck a chord with so many people, it it went completely viral.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean I had been using social media for posting reflections and and um I suppose little bits and pieces, meditations, poetry, prayer, instruction, those kind of things for over 10 years before that. um, My work up until then uh, had been quite a lot with uh, secondary schools and third level institutes. So if you wanted to speak to the students, you spoke to them via social media. That's where they were. And so uh, I had for a while been using Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and those kind of things. Um, and generally just reflecting as well on whatever was arising. So I, like everybody else, was um, taken aback as we saw the the kind of the, the initial days of the pandemic begin. And then particularly just at that point, we were heading into lockdown ourselves, Ireland for the first time, and nobody really knew what was ahead. And so um, I suppose praying about it and reflecting on it, the poem Lockdown arrived and I, I put it out there and went to bed and cheerfully forgot about it and and woke up the next morning and my phone had exploded Um, and it it went everywhere. Yeah, it became uh, viral very quickly.
0: Why do you think it had such an impact? What did it say specifically that spoke to that moment?
1: Well, I think coming at it from a a Franciscan perspective, it was about trying to offer a word of hope uh, in the midst of what was a very hopeless time. You know, we've kind of put it behind us very quickly. But at that stage, we didn't really know where things were going to go with all of this. Um, and and so uh, there were very open ended questions around how long was this going to last? What kind of restrictions was it going to have on us? Um, and it was, uh, yeah, they were nervous, ner- nervous days, I suppose. And so what I was trying to do was to do what St. Francis did, which was to look for the good in everything and. Um, And uh, some people might kind of find that as a very, um, you know, kind of maybe childish even way of of looking at things. But it's not about um, not acknowledging the negative or the pain or the difficulty or the sorrow. And that's why the poem states very clearly that's what we're in. We're in suffering. We're in sickness. We're in even a moment of death. Um, But it also allows us to kind of begin to look at the... um, the possibilities that are inherent even within that. And on the day before I had written the poem, um, in quick succession, I'd come across three really beautiful stories. The first was um, the, the old lady in China who was talking about the fact that she had forgotten that the sky was blue because of the industrial pollution in China. And with the factories closed, the sky was now blue again. Um The second was the, about the people in in Assisi, uh, the town of Saint Francis, the home of of, of Saint Francis, uh, who already in lockdown um, what they were doing was they were they were having concerts across the squares, these little village squares um, and were singing to each other and the third was um uh, a young lady who who I had had taught in school who was now qualified as a solicitor, newly qualified but couldn't work. And so what she had decided to do was to, to send out uh, leaflets to elderly people in the neighbourhood to say, look, I'm available if you need anything. And they're the kind of moments of grace, I suppose, in the midst of the storm. And that's what the poem was about. So I think for a lot of people, it just caught them with a moment of uh, stating the truth, stating the fact that we're in a very difficult place, but that there's hope always. There's hope always once we begin to, um, to look a little more deeply under the surface.
0: And I suppose uh, this, this new book of yours, Still Points, is encouraging people to look a bit more deeply under the surface all the time um, in all the suffering of life and, and not merely in a, in a crisis, sort of to form the habit of, of looking in the way that you describe.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's a fair way of putting it. To, to look deeply uh, is to live deeply. Uh, And and I think a lot of us, myself included, we spend lots of time on the surface. Uh, We're we're a very surface world at the moment because we're being inundated with stimuli all of the time. So we're bouncing from reaction to reaction. Um, Our media is reactionary. Our social media is reactionary. our, Our way of being at times can be reactionary. The older traditions, the contemplative traditions, propose a completely different way of being which is rather than, than being reactive, to be reflective, to be proactive in that sense. So when we create a reflective space, when we actually choose to stand back, to be silent, to look deeply, even if it's only just for a moment or two, our focus changes, the resolution changes. It's like putting on a different camera lens at that moment. And we begin to, to I suppose, discern the threads of meaning that are beneath the the experiences and the circumstances that we're in. And and that's uh, the practice of stillness, really, in in a very simple way.
0: So what are still points?
1: Um, The best way of explaining it for me was uh, a map I was given by an old uh, priest who has now gone to God himself. Uh, He was a good guide to me. And he used to speak of setting up telephone poles along the path of the day. Uh, So just like you're driving along the road and you've got the telephone poles along beside you and they at regular intervals make sure that the, the messages are traveling, you know, the communication is happening. That still points are moments of deliberate reflection that we place at regular intervals in our day or in our year. Um, So as to uh, enable the inner message, um, the inner awareness of the divine, of the transcendent, of meaning, of love, compassion, the the greater values of humanity, uh, to make sure that they're traveling with us and that we're present to them and that we're communicating with them as they are communicating with us. So a still point can be as simple as a pause before moving from work to home uh, or uh, making sure that the first moment of the day is a positive moment for us—a moment of reflection, a moment of prayer—can even just be a moment of thanksgiving. Uh, where for most of us nowadays, the first moment of the day is grab the phone and discover, you know, what I've missed or what bad news has happened in the intervening few hours that I've I've had for rest. So rather than doing that, you know, taking the wisdom of uh, the contemplative traditions, which is about making sure that. We shape the day rather than the day shaping us. I think that's one of the things that, that still points offer.
0: Tomorrow and the next day, and the next day, a lot of people will be feeling, I haven't got a minute to stop. Um, I have so many people to mind, so many things to do, so many lists to get through. I want this to be nice. There's no way I can, I can take time out, especially not multiple multiple points of time out what would be your advice if you're feeling that way
1: first of all to accept it to be with reality as it actually is and um, whatever that reality is for you because if we start thinking that there's um, another way of being that i just can't reach we're just doubling the frustration um, what's important is just to be present to how things actually are and sometimes that can be as simple as being with our senses being with our emotions as they are in that particular moment, you know. Um, God doesn't expect us to be anything other than what we already are, uh, which is, for most of us, myself included, a mess most of the time. (laughs) Um, And so when we bring that messiness of life to presence, when we bring that messiness of life to awareness, then that's already prayer. That's already being still. That's already being, being reflective. And I think what most people forget is is that where they are right now that's where the kingdom of god is being built that's where um the soul is is experiencing its transcendent now uh, as we would say in the kind of mindful mindfulness uh, experience and so if people can bring a little awareness to that not by changing it but by simply noticing how they are in the moment it's amazing how quickly that sets up a space for reflection to happen and a little space for kind of grace to move. So I'd say, be busy, you know, be 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 with all of that. and when the rest happens finally after, <laughs> maybe in a few days' time, um, be with that as fully and as deeply as you as you can be. Um, the other thing to say as well is that you know what we're about to celebrate in Christmas has at its very, very heart, the heart of its story. Um, a, a, a wonderful story of, of a family beginning in the midst of chaos and busyness uh, the reason there was no you know, room at the inn the reason that the, the, the cave manger was chosen the reason that um, we, we celebrate uh, a God born in poverty is because it was a chaotic time for those people as well so you know God knows our chaos and came to live in it with us so be in the chaos and you'll find him there
0: Brother Richard Hendrick, Capuchin Friar here in Dublin and author of Still Points. A very happy Christmas to you and your friars.
1: And every blessing to you and to all those listening out there. I hope you really have a wonderful Christmas.
2: Thank
0: you very much. And so, as we move from Advent toward the Christmas season, we're thrilled to be able to bring you a lovely version of Silent Night sung by the Pro Cathedral Girls' Choir, directed by Blorn and Murphy, with Niall Kinsler on piano. And that was the Pro-Cathedral Girls' Choir, and they'll be bringing us lots more music at eight o'clock on Christmas morning on a special edition of The Leap of Faith. And now we're joined from our Galway studio by Mary O'Malley. She's published nine books of poetry and three anthologies, and her work has been translated into several languages. Mary O'Malley, you're very welcome to The Leap of Faith.
3: Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here. So it's the
0: evening before Christmas Eve and you have had a long held fascination with a really beautiful, classic, uh, some might say slightly weird Christmas (laughs) carol, the cherry tree carol.
3: Yeah, I love it. It's just one of those stories where Christianity and paganism and magic all come together in a way, I think. I just love the imagery of it. I love the song. Mm -hmm. I particularly love Jean Ritchie's singing of it. I mean, many people have covered that ballad, um, as as, as is the nature of ballads. But I just think she has a particular tone and a particular way of singing it that is my favourite. And we'll hear
0: that in a a few minutes. Mm -hmm. But first, would you just describe some of the imagery in... The po- in I don't know whether to call it a poem, a hymn,
3: a ballad. <laughs> well, I suppose in Irish it's called in Irish it's called a hymn. Interestingly, yeah. um, uh, and transposed to Easter, which has an interesting poetic logic to it, if I can mm-hmm. uh, uh, say that. But um, so it's it's called a hymn. It's a it was a ballad. I mean. As there were, There's a, a long tradition of religious ballads, and I generally like them. There's a great uh, intimacy and immediacy and humanity in the, in the ballads, I think, in religious ballads, where they take back down the sort of um, posturing that m- might have gone on in the church and bring it down and into their own lives. And they're often very moving for that reason, you know. Mm. And very mm, intimate.
0: The word ballad yeah. wouldn't have been part of the Irish song tradition, ex- except where they come in from England and Europe, is that
3: right? And and Europe. Well, the word ballad itself wouldn't be Irish, but the no. tradition is a very old one at this stage, you know, in Ireland. A lot of them come in from Europe and from Scotland, and probably vice versa. And... Uh, to and fro to America then later on. Um, Tell
0: tell us about cherries. They play a very
3: important part in the Cherry Tree Carol. Well, the the basic story of the carol um, is that the Virgin Mary is having cravings. She's walking along with Joseph and she's having cravings for cherries. And she tells him, uh, could he get her some cherries, she asks him. And Joseph says, let the man who got you with child get the cherries which is very interesting, you know, in a a ballad that goes back that far. And um, suddenly, out of her womb, the child speaks. And he says, basically, I'll get you cherries. And he commands the cherry tree to bow down. (laughs) And the cherry tree, Julie bows down. And Mary gathers cherries while Joseph stood around. (laughs) Poor That's Joseph. what it says, Petsprit. isn't it? You yes, see, well, it is. he
0: stood there. you can really see a sort of stomping, sulking
3: Joseph that we <laughs> don't can. normally
0: get to hear about,
3: and we can't blame him in some ways. I suppose. Yeah, I thought he, he was hurt, somewhat hard done by. Um, I, it was just so human. I thought. Yeah. Uh, rather than divine, you know. Yeah. Or maybe both. <laughs> Maybe that's how it is. <laughs> no, was
0: also said that she had to do everything herself.
3: Well, I think that's the effective message of the ballad, really, in some ways. But the image of the, 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 the Christ child within
0: the womb... Having the power to command, having having power—it's quite
3: eerie. Mm. I mean, you know, in the modern day, it, 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 now we would see it almost like a. There is a, a weirdness to the image as well, uh, almost because after all, it was an immaculate conception. Mary had nothing to do with any of it much, um, so you could read a lot into it in, on another level, um, a slightly omen type of atmosphere but actually strangely that's not how it sings mm-hmm. in, in the ballad um, there is a strangeness but there isn't any sense of fear or danger
2: hmm.
3: as, as, as I hear it What feelings does it conjure? It's quite magical really mm-hmm. I mean I think uh, the first time I heard it there was something about cherries and snow you know the notion of snow at Christmas is what we normally associate with Christmas. And the notion of the t- just time sort of folding in on itself. Mm. I mean, of course, she could have had the cravings much earlier mm. in the year and in a country where they had cherries, but you know, my notions of my images of Christmas are almost all to do with the West of Ireland. And um, so something about the starkness of one landscape and the richness of the flowering cherries. I think, was probably largely what hit me about it. Mm. And also, just the fact that it's very contemporary still, you know, pregnant, homeless, and they were, in a way, almost on the run, really. Mm. No Room at the Inn, all of that is still there. Mm. But the focus isn't on that in the ballad. The focus is on joy, really. A, a young pregnant woman has a craving for cherries and the child in the womb it's, commands a tree to bow down and so that she can reach them. As Who you... could resist an image like that?
0: <laughs> In addition to your love for the imagery you've also written your own poem um, as a follow on to the Cherry Tree Carol haven't you?
3: I have, it's, it's sort of after the Cherry Tree Carol really, it's a it's from a, a very different point of view. It's from the point of view of somebody who doesn't believe, but at the same time doesn't quite fully not believe in the power of rebirth at some level, you know. Mm. But there's a certain amount of will. in, And also on the power of calling, just calling. Calling on someone, calling on something, I think. Would you read it for us? yes. Territory Carol. I call the kings expecting faded colours, old cardboard men jaded from expectation and travel. Instead, they whirled in the air, turbaned, young, rings flashing ruby and gold. In spite of what they know, they glowed before me for a minute or an hour. Centuries spooled out around them lures cast from a rod across the flat surface of the trembling elements i called mary pregnant and homeless in spite of what i know and how it ends she came to give birth again in a shed warmed by the sharp stink of a wolf's breath or the fug of cattle and ass it wasn't the birth i wanted but the story of this strange child in the womb That ordered a cherry tree to bow down low to my mother's knee to satisfy her gravid craving and ours. In spite of the nails and the lumbering beasts the moon and the stars will sail under his feet the masked moon and her icy stars. Thank you very much, Mary O'Malley.
0: I love the way that Within your own cherry tree carol, you echo the way that the original 15th century ballad speaks about the ending within the beginning. So you mentioned how, you know, it used to be thought of as an Easter hymn. And here in your own um, poem, we have. This sense in the sense that in spite of the nails, you know, in spite of the ending, mm. in spite of how it ends, um, there is so much to be gained from the moment of,
3: of calling I think that's what it's about really it's in spite of knowing what we know, you know, that this rough beast is slouching towards Bethlehem to be born as Yeats brilliantly put it mm. um, it's the fact that yes we know all that But still, that sense of the possibility of redemption is what it's really about. So maybe they were right to have it as an Easter poem, in fact. (laughs) I think a lot of those medieval ones often had the two together,
0: Christmas and Easter, as much more... Yes, time sort of hitting up against itself. Yes, exactly. And the meaning came from the combination and the paradox of the Mm. two. Yeah. And Mary, earlier you mentioned how much you like the Gene Ritchie version of the Cherry Tree Carol. And so we'll listen to that now. But before we do, may I wish you a very happy Christmas. Happy Christmas to you and to the listeners. Thank you. And to all our listeners, I wish you every Christmas blessing and hope that you'll join us at 8 o'clock on Christmas morning for a special edition of The Leap of Faith with wonderful music inspiring new writing and conversation with a range of commentators from the worlds of faith art and social justice but for tonight we leave you with gene ritchie singing the cherry tree carol
4: good night when joseph were an old man and an Mary and the Queen of Galilee. He courted the Virgin Mary and the Queen of Galilee. Joseph So fair to behold. Here is apples and cherries. So fair to behold. Mary spoke to Joseph, and to Joseph said she, Oh, go and gather me some cherries, for I Go and gather me some cherries, for I am with child. Joseph flew in angry, and in angry flew he. Said, Let the father of the baby gather cherries for you. Let the father of the baby gather cherries for you Then up spoke Lord Jesus From his mother's womb Said bow low, low cherry tree Bow low down to the ground said, Bow low, low, cherry tree, bow you low down to the ground. Then the cherry tree bowed a low down, low down to the ground, and Mary gathered cherries while Joseph stood around. Cherries while Joseph stood around. Then Joseph took Mary all on his right knee and said, Tell me, pretty baby, when your birthday will be. Said, Tell me, tell me, pretty baby. When your birthday will be. On the sixth day of January. My birthday will be. When the stars and the elements. Doth tremble with glee. When the stars and the elements doth tremble with glee